This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine. Ahimsa by Mohandas K. Gandhi. Originally published in the Modern Review, October 1916. There seems to be no historical warrant for the belief that an exaggerated practice of ahimsa synchronizes with our becoming bereft of manly virtues. During the past fifteen hundred years we have, as a nation, given ample proof of physical courage, but we have been torn by internal dissensions, and have been dominated by love of self instead of love of country. We have, that is to say, been swayed by the spirit of irreligion rather than of religion. I do not know how far the charge of unmanliness can be made good against the Jains. I hold no brief for them. By birth I am a Vaishnavite, and was taught ahimsa in my childhood. I have derived much religious benefit from Jain religious works, as I have from scriptures of the other great faiths of the world. I owe much to the living company of the deceased philosopher, Rajashand Kavi, who was a Jain by birth. Thus, though my views on Ahimsa are a result of my study of most of the faiths of the world, they are now no longer dependent upon the authority of these works. They are a part of my life, and, if I suddenly discovered that the religious books read by me bore a different interpretation from the one I had learnt to give them, I should still hold to the view of Ahimsa, as I am about to set forth here. Our Shastras seem to teach that a man who really practices Ahimsa in its fullness has the world at his feet. He so affects his surroundings that even the snakes and other venomous reptiles do him no harm. This is said to have been the experience of St. Francis of Assisi. In its negative form, it means not injuring any living being whether by body or mind. It may not, therefore, hurt the person of any wrongdoer, or bear any ill-will to him, and so cause him mental suffering. This statement does not cover suffering caused to the wrongdoer by natural acts of mind which do not proceed from ill-will. It, therefore, does not prevent me from withdrawing from his presence a child whom he, we shall imagine, is about to strike. Indeed, the proper practice of ahimsa requires me to withdraw the intended victim from the wrongdoer if i am in any way whatsoever the guardian of such a child it was therefore most proper for the passive resisters of south africa to have resisted the evil that the union government sought to do them they bore no ill-will to it they showed this by helping the government whenever it needed their help their resistance consisted of disobedience of the orders of the government, even to the extent of suffering death at their hands. Ahimsa requires deliberate self-suffering, not a deliberate injuring of the supposed wrongdoer. In its positive form, Ahimsa means the largest love, the greatest charity. If I am a follower of Ahimsa, I must love my enemy, I must apply the same rules to the wrongdoer who is my enemy or a stranger to me, as I would to my wrongdoing father or son. This active ahimsa 
necessarily includes truth and fearlessness as a man cannot deceive the loved one he does not fear or frighten him or her gift of life is the greatest of all gifts a man who gives it in reality disarms all hostility he has paved the way for an honorable understanding and none who is himself subject to fear can bestow that gift he must therefore be himself fearless a man cannot then practice ahimsa and be a coward at the same time the practice of ahimsa calls forth the greatest courage it is the most soldierly of a soldier's virtues general gordon has been represented in a famous statue as bearing only a stick this takes us far on the road to ahimsa but a soldier who needs the protection of even a stick is to that extent so much the less a soldier he is the true soldier who knows how to die and stand his ground in the midst of a hail of bullets such a one was ambarisha who stood his ground without lifting a finger though duryasa did his worst the moors who were being pounded by the french gunners and who rushed to the guns mouths with allah on their lips showed much the same type of courage only theirs was the courage of desperation ambarisha's was due to love yet the moorish valor readiness to die conquered the gunners they frantically waved their hats ceased firing and greeted their erstwhile enemies as comrades and so the south african passive resisters in their thousands were ready to die rather than sell their honor for a little personal ease this was ahimsa in its active form it never barters away honor a helpless girl in the hands of a follower of ahimsa finds better and surer protection than in the hands of one who is prepared to defend her only to the point to which his weapons would carry him the tyrant in the first instance will have to walk to his victim over the dead body of her defender in the second he has but to overpower the defender for it is assumed that the canon of propriety in the second instance will be satisfied when the defender has fought to the extent of his physical valor in the first instance as the defender has matched his very soul against the mere body of the tyrant the odds are that the soul in the latter will be awakened and the girl would stand an infinitely greater chance of her honor being protected than in any other conceivable circumstance barring of course that of her own personal courage if we are unmanly today we are so not because we do not know how to strike but because we fear to die he is no follower of mahavira the apostle of jainism or of buddha or of the vedas who being afraid to die takes flight before any danger real or imaginary all the while wishing that somebody else would remove the danger by destroying the person causing it he is no follower of ahimsa who does not care a straw if he kills a man by inches by deceiving him in trade or who would protect by force of arms a few cows and make away with the butcher or who in order to do a supposed good to his country does not mind killing off a few officials all these are actuated by hatred cowardice and fear here the love of the cow or the country is a vague thing intended to satisfy one's vanity or soothe a stinging conscience 
Ahimsa truly understood is, in my humble opinion, a panacea for all evils, mundane and extra-mundane. We can never overdo it. Just at present, we are not doing it at all. Ahimsa does not displace the practice of other virtues, but renders their practice imperatively necessary before it can be practiced even in its rudiments. Mahavira and Buddha were soldiers, and so was Tolstoy. Only they saw deeper and truer into their profession, and found the secret of a true, happy, honorable, and godly life. Let us be joint sharers with these teachers, and this land of ours will once more be the abode of gods. End of Ahimsa Recording by Catherine, Hong Kong, March 2010